Today I have the privilege of starting our new series today in the book of Isaiah. So for those of you guys who were around last year, we did another series in the book of Isaiah. We called that volume one. And so we're returning to the book for volume two. But for this series, we're going to focus on four specific passages in the book of Isaiah. And these are kind of famously known as the, the, the songs of the servant, or the servant songs. Yeah, that's, that's what they're called, right? And, and so um, these are kind of pretty well-known passages in Isaiah. They're passages that are quoted often in the New Testament from Isaiah. And so they, they, in these passages, it, Isaiah describes sort of this servant figure, right? The servant or his servant, things like that. And, and so there's always kind of this question of who is the servant that is being talked about in Isaiah. And, you know, if you were to ask any Jewish person who is familiar with the Hebrew scriptures, uh, they would tell you that the servant in the book of Isaiah is obviously the, the people of Israel. And they wouldn't be wrong. I mean, there are definitely places in the book of Isaiah where it's talking about, you know, God's servant, this servant figure, and it's definitely talking about the Israelites. It's talking about the people of God. But when we come to these servant songs, these four passages in Isaiah, I think many people have kind of noted that when you read those passages and you read kind of what it has to say about this servant figure, that it seems like it starts to kind of branch away from specifically just talking about the, the Israelites, that it, it's talking about somebody else, some other figure. And, and so, you know, for us, kind of being on this side of history, having already seen Jesus come, having already seen the ministry of Jesus, that he, you know, he, he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, uh, you know, we've seen that um, kind of outworking within history that we can sort of reflect back. And uh, I mean, even the New Testament uh, authors, they, they quote from Isaiah referring to Jesus. Like we can reflect back and see, oh, the servant figure is messianic. Right, that in these passages, they're, they're messianic and they're talking about Jesus who came and fulfilled a lot of what is talked about in these passages. And so that's kind of what we're going to focus on. And, you know, the, the first slide, uh, sorry, we, we skipped past it, but the first slide said love embodied. And that's really kind of revisiting, actually at the beginning of the year, and I'll, I'll be totally honest, I even kind of lost sight of this, but at the beginning of the year, one of the sort of themes that we started the, the church year with was this theme of love embodied, that that was one, one theme that we wanted to sort of kind of revisit over the course of the year. And so as we look through these servant songs over these next, uh, well, actually, I think it's five weeks, but four passages, that that's something that we want to kind of pick up on. Like, how, how, does, how do these passages sort of bring out for us how Jesus is love embodied? And so today what I want to do is actually, because we are still kind of in the middle of our 10-week campaign to really kind of push into uh, studying the scriptures, right? The spiritual discipline of Bible study. And remember the last time I taught, we did kind of a group Bible study. I want to do a little bit more of that today, if that's okay, because uh, you know, I really want to encourage you guys to, to press into that. If you guys, if this is not something that you normally do during the week where you guys are studying the Bible, I want this to be a little bit of practice for you and a little bit of a taste for you of, of what that's like and, and the fruit that can come from it. And so if you guys have your Bibles, let's open up to Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 to 9. If you don't have your Bible, we'll put it up on the screen for you. And I'm going to, again, just today take us through a, a little inductive Bible study. And, and just to kind of remind you of the steps, the first thing that we're going to do is we're just going to read it, 
And before we, we're not going to just jump right away to this is what God is saying to me from this passage, right? The first thing we want to do is, no, what does it say? <laughs> we're just going to read it, and we're going to read it carefully, and we're going to observe it, and we're just going to try to understand what is on the, the pages as well as we possibly can. After that, then we'll start asking some questions about really, like, what are, like, the big themes, um, the overarching kind of uh, uh, points that are coming out of this passage, and then we can say, okay, how is God speaking to me through this passage, all right? So let's uh, start with Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 9, and if it's cool, let's go ahead and read it together out loud, and then we'll, we'll kind of pick out some of our observations together, okay? So Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says the creator of the heavens, who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk in it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. All right. And so what I want you guys to do is let's go back into the passage now and just sort of kind of back over it and let's just throw out our observations and for those of you guys who are watching from home online I'll try to do a good job I know you can't hear them so I'll try to do a good job of sort of reporting back to you guys what they said as best as I can but as we go through this um, and today we'll kind of narrow our focus a little bit because you know we are talking about the servant so maybe we'll kind of narrow our lens to you know like what does this passage tell us about who the servant is, what the servant is like, what the servant does, like what is the, the ministry and the mission of the servant. But yeah, if you guys wouldn't mind, let's just kind of throw out, what are your observations here from this passage? Who is he? What is he like? What does he do? Oh, sorry, I thought it was a hand, but you're just itching your face. Y'all quiet today. What's going on? Okay, yeah, I mean, for us kind of being on this side of history, it really sounds like it's talking about Jesus, yeah. And, and what, what about it? Like, um, you know, I mean, obviously we're kind of jumping to interpretation a little bit, but like, what are some of the things that you see in there about the servant that are kind of like, hmm, sounds like Jesus? Anybody, it doesn't just have to be Elliot. <laughs> okay, he loves justice, right? It says that he will establish justice and he will not be he will not falter or be discouraged until he has established justice okay what else okay he will not shout nor cry out and why does that stand out to you uh, I'm not trying to make sense. I don't know if I understand what that's 
Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, yeah. He's, it doesn't seem like he'll be just out there like yelling and shouting at people, but a different approach. Okay, okay. Now, what else do you guys see here? What, are, what else are you observing? Okay, he will be a covenant for the people and a light to the Gentiles. Okay, and any just kind of thoughts or observations about that statement? Okay, yeah, so that to you sort of kind of chimes of, of Jesus because Jesus talks about like uh, ushering in a new covenant, right? Yeah, being a light to all people, being a light to the Gentiles, right? I think that, that appears in the Christmas story, right? He will be a light to the Gentiles. I think Simeon, right, when he was in the temple and he was praying and he met the baby Jesus, I think he quotes, might have quote from this passage actually, he will be a light to the Gentiles, Okay. Well, any other observations from this? Uh, yeah, yeah, it says that he is chosen, right? It seems like he's chosen by God, a chosen servant. Okay, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so kind of like miraculous language of the giving sight to the blind, uh, freeing the prisoner, or what, how did, what's the last one? Like release to the one who is in darkness, I think, or dungeons, I think. Yeah. Okay. Any other observations here? Okay. So, sorry, I'm, 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 if it sounds like I'm repeating you guys a lot, I'm trying to repeat it back for the people online, <laughs> just, just by the way. Okay, so there's a lot of like places named where, so it seems like the connection is that when, it, when it's talking about the servant establishing justice, these are the places where he is establishing justice, on the streets and in the prisons, and I can't remember if he said any other locations. Or on, on earth, in the nations, on the islands, yeah, yeah, okay. There's a new kind of justice, not something that has already been seen on the earth. Okay. Anybody else? Yeah. So it's like the endorsement from, assuming that this is God speaking, the, the endorsement from God, this is my servant whom I will uphold um, I don't know, does anybody read a di- is anybody reading a different translation that has a different word besides uphold? Whom I will, up- whom I will strengthen. Okay, anybody else have a different translation that says anything else? I think some translations might say whom I have selected, so just to kind of give a sense of what that means. Okay, and, and one, thing, one observation that I made was that if God is saying this person is my servant, then assuming that that servant is a good servant, then that person embodies the will of God, right? Because God is sending him as his servant, and so that servant embodies the will and the desire of God because he's serving you know, what, what he was sent to do by God. Okay? Any other observations before we... Mm-hmm.
Yeah. Yeah. So it makes very clear who who is the one who is doing the sending. I am the Lord, the great I am. This is my name. So it's clearly it is is God who is sending and endorsing and uh, you know whose will he he represents this, you know, this servant figure, this messianic figure. Okay. Any anything else anybody wants to kind of throw in there? So I think we've got a pretty good kind of list of observations in terms of who the servant is. So he's He's sent by God. He represents the will and the desire of God. He um, seems to be different. He seems to be different from just the nation of Israel, right? Which would be sort of kind of the the, the way that maybe the original audience might be inclined to think, like, oh, this is the servant is the nation of Israel. But kind of sounds like he's somebody maybe a little bit different from the nation of Israel, right? That um, because that, like the passage that we talked about, like he will be a covenant for the people. And, the, and a light to the Gentiles, right? Like he, he represents the people and he represents also uh, the Gentiles, right? So it seems to be different from just the people of Israel specifically. And uh, he, his mission seems to be to uh, be a light to the, the Gentiles, to the nations, to establish justice uh, in the streets, in the prisons, um, to the farthest stretches of the world. It's not, it's, just, it's not like a localized kind of vision of justice, but it's a global vision of, of justice, right? To, as far as the islands stretch, right? I will establish justice. It says that he will not be discouraged, he will not falter, but yeah, he will establish like this new covenant um, that will be for both the Israelites, but also for the nations. Okay, so I think that's a pretty good, pretty good picture that we've got going here. So now let's kind of move on to interpretation. So first of all, as we kind of go through this, are there any questions that are being raised for you guys, as you're kind of trying to process this, what are the questions that are coming to mind that are, you know, you feel like are like, I feel like this is an important question to answer if I really want to kind of get at what this passage is saying to me about the servant. Okay, yeah, there's this kind of like interesting uh, metaphor in there, right? Uh, a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not extinguish. So what? What does that mean? Okay. What does that mean? What is the, the connection of that to this, this passage? Okay, that's a good question. Any other questions that come to mind? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Like, okay, this person is not going to be discouraged. This person is not going to falter until they establish justice. What, what kind of person can do that, right? So who is this person that could, could, could not falter and, and not be discouraged and, and be successful in establishing justice? Not just locally for the Israelites, but really in, in a global way. Okay. Any other questions that kind of come to mind here? One question that I had was, what does he mean by justice? Right? So it says he will establish justice. Like, yeah, I was... I wonder if we could get to a little bit more precise definition of what we mean by justice. Because at least in my mind, I feel like I'm going to, like if somebody said I'm going to bring justice, it could mean like, I don't know, I feel like there, there's like a positive way to take it, like I'm going to bring justice. <laughs> but there's also a negative way, like, oh, I'm going to bring justice. Like you're going to pay, <laughs> right? I'm going to, 
you know, justice, right? There's a, more of like a kind of a, a hard edge way that you could take that. So I'm kind of curious, like, what does he mean here by I will bring justice to all the, the nations, to, the, to all the islands? So that's a, that's a question that I have. Okay, any others you guys want to throw in there? Okay. Oh, go ahead. Okay, just simply, why has God chosen this person to, to be his servant? Okay, so now let's try to answer. So now, I mean, again, I've, I've said this previously, but, you know, up until this point, we're, one, we're trying not to jump to what does it mean to me, and number two, uh, we don't want to jump to, like, commentaries or, like, if you have a study Bible, we don't want to jump into those too quickly, but I think now that we've really read it and spent some time in it and kind of pulled out some thoughts and pulled out some of our questions, now let's bring all of our resources that we have into trying to answer those questions. So um, I'm going to try to, like, let's see, any of those questions that we named, uh, I made the same mistake last time, I should have wrote them down. But uh, um, any of those questions that we just named, uh, can anybody maybe bring some thoughts, some insights to that, maybe just based on your own knowledge of this passage, or maybe you have a study Bible in front of you and it gives some good insights there, or you know, good cross-references. Anybody able to bring some good insight to any of those questions that we just talked about? Let's see, what, what, what were the questions? The, the questions were, um, let's see, what was the first question, John? Oh yeah, the Bruce Reed, okay, let's start there. Can anybody, does anybody feel like they got a pretty good handle on what that, that metaphor is uh, and, and what it means? Oh, you don't, okay. <laughs> Just wanted to make clear I don't, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you don't have a complete understanding maybe of the metaphor, feel like whatever it's communicating, it's communicating a sense of gentleness, right? Like it's almost like this, this image of walking through some um, shrubbery or foliage, right? And that you walk through it, but you're, you're not breaking any of the, the, the branches, right? That are kind of like sticking out, right? This, this kind of idea is that, that your, your, your presence and your path is so gentle that you don't even break a bruised reed or something like that. Or, you know, you, the wake of your movement is so gentle that it doesn't put out a smoldering candle wick or something like that. Okay. All right. Anybody else can feel like you can add some color to that? Or like maybe how it connects to the passage? Okay, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you're, you, you feel like it applies to kind of the way that this servant figure um, maybe is gentle or compassionate with people. People who are coming to God, people who are tr trying to seek God, that he, he's not harsh with them, right? He's not coming to like stamp them out or, or whatever, but that there's a, a compassion and a, and a gentleness there. Okay, yeah. Anybody else? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So if we we're going to kind of extend that metaphor of, of being gentle enough not to break a bruised reed or extend, extinguish a, a smoldering wick, there's also maybe a sense of slowness. That... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, like, it's not like this person is going to come and establish justice, you know, in a, a fast and a violent and a, you know, through coercion and through power kind of a way, but it's, it's gentle and it's humble and, and it's slow and it's, uh, it's down here <laughs> as opposed to, like, up here. Yeah, okay, yeah, great. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it says, it doesn't say in his power he will bring justice, or in his aggression he'll bring justice, but in his faithfulness he will bring justice. That's good. Thank you. Okay, so it gives a little bit more of a definition of who these bruised reed people are, who these smoldering wick people are. They're people who have been wronged. And he will, what did it say? He will not what to people who have been wronged? Oh, he will bring justice to people who have been wronged. Okay, so it adds a little fuller picture of, of kind of like the, who, who he's describing. Yeah, and also going back to that verse where it says that he does not yell in the streets. Or what does it say? He doesn't shout in the streets. And he doesn't... Uh, Oh, cry out, cry out in the streets. And, or just like kind of going again with that theme of it's not like big out here, like demonstrative, like big power display kind of thing, but it's like kind of low and slow if you're going to kind of use that language. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Like when, when we're talking about power, there are some who are naturally going to be at the bottom who are going to get crushed. But this is upside down, where he starts with those who are already who have already been wronged, and he and he's talking about justice for them first. Good. 
Oh man, this is, we only answered one question. I was like already so, so crazy. <laughs> uh, what, what were some of the other questions? I already forgot what the other questions were. Does anybody feel like they can bring some insight to any of the other questions that we mentioned? Let's see, what were the other questions? Um, who raised the question? Oh yeah, what, what are we talking about when we're talking about justice? Um, well, I, I can bring some thoughts to that. Like, because yeah, it is possible that you could hear that verse and say that God is going to establish justice to the nations. You could hear it as like almost like I'm going to judge the nations. And not to say that language isn't in this, the Bible. That, that language is definitely in the Bible. But here, where it talks, it seems like it's giving a picture of like justice being like for the world, right? The islands will hope in his justice, I think it says later in the passage, right? So it's not just hope for Israel because I'm going to squash the nations. That's not really the picture here, but it's like a hope, this new covenant, this justice that will be for the people, for Israel, but also a light to the Gentiles. It'll be really a global hope. It's, for, it's a hope for everybody. Right, so I don't think it's that negative sense, but it's that it's more of like a positive, like a hope for everyone, right? Extending out to the world. So, um, yeah. Let's see. Were there any other questions? <laughs> um, does anybody remember any of the other questions that were raised? No, maybe it wasn't important. <laughs> Forgive me if that was your question. I, I don't mean to imply that your question wasn't important. So. So now that we've kind of done some, some interpreting, now let's kind of move to application. Now I think we've done enough work where we're ready to really like safely, okay, how, how is this speaking to me? How is the spirit using this scripture to speak to me personally, directly, or, or us as a body of people reading this today? Like what, what are some applications that we can kind of pull out of this? So I'm just kind of curious to hear what, what you guys have sort of you know, what is the spirit sort of kind of moving in your mind and in your heart right now as you kind of let this word uh, wash over you and speak to you? That's good. Yeah, I'll try to, I'm going to try to repeat that back in a, in a coherent way so that people can hear it online. But yeah, I mean, basically, we've all, in, in different ways and forms in our lives, been that smoldering wick and been, been people who are hurt or been people who are kind of at the bottom or, you know, what, whatever, the powerless. And, um, in, in, and he was saying in today's climate, you know, there's a lot of, you know, kind of, uh, what, what would be the word, where basically it's very... Um, 
cleaved. I can't think of a good word. Polarized. Polarized. There you go. Polarized. <laughs> cleaved is a poor word. <laughs> There's a lot of cleavage, and that, that's not, not a, the best vocabulary. Polarized is better. Yes, polarized is better. So polarized, it's very polarized, right? We, we all have our, our ideas of what we think is justice, what we think is right, what we think, <laughs> right? And so, um, but in the climate that we're in, it, it almost feels like it's, it's, it's okay to, um, it's, it's okay to push for what you believe is right or just at the expense of those who disagree with you, right? But to, but to really see kind of Jesus's heart and, and, and love embodied that it, it's not enough just to be like, I love, and I will defend the cause of the people who, who agree with me, or I agree with, but that there's this sense of, uh, of caring also for those who, who are on the other side of the aisle. Okay. Anybody else? Like, what, 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 how is this speaking to you guys? I apologize for using the word cleavage. <laughs> you can still see it rolling around in some of your brains. Yeah, so maybe I think what you're saying is that a lot of times we want to be servants. We want to serve God, but maybe sometimes we're too quick to jump to, therefore, this is what I should do, and maybe not enough like being sent and listening and actually being sure that we're aligned with what, what Jesus would actually have us do. Sort of kind of how we talked about, like, if I am a, a servant, that means I embody the, the the will and the desire of, you know, who I serve, right? But to be sure that we are, we sure that we actually align with that, like what Jesus would actually have us do, and we're not just kind of off on our own mission, you know, what we think is right. And so, you know, are we doing that? How do we do that? I think that part of the reason why we spend so much darn time in this book and really trying to interpret it carefully is because we want to be sent and we want to be aligned truly with what Jesus would have us do as his servants, as opposed to just going out and doing what we think we should be doing. But maybe, you know, we haven't really taken the time to align ourselves with what he would have us do. I, I think that's what you're saying. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes we're, we're we're chasing a feel a feel good for ourselves as opposed to maybe you know what might come with truly being aligned with His will, which could be sacrifice, 
and uh, suffering. Okay. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, does anybody have some more thoughts that you could share? Well, I mean, very, very, uh, maybe not coincidentally, but uh, Vanessa, after I get out, get, get done here, Vanessa's going to come up and, and share a little bit more. But, yeah, any, any more thoughts on kind of, like, is the Lord speaking to you through this any more about, like, justice and what is meant by justice? Yeah. So yeah, I like what you're saying. There's a tension, right? There's a tension because, you know, obviously, clearly justice is on God's heart and, and his desire. And so as disciples of Jesus, it should also be on our heart and it should be one of our desires and we should cooperate with him in that. But there's a tension there, right? Because it's like, yeah, like you said, that sometimes we feel justified in, in maybe reacting more or I don't know exactly what's the best way. Sometimes we feel justified in being indignant or maybe you know, being more forceful with it or whatever it might be because of the gravity of it, right? You know, we're talking about, you know, assuming that we're talking about people and their suffering or you know, injustices that they're, they're encountering, things like that. Like it feels like the gravity is so much that of course we should be passionate and maybe we should be shouting in the streets. And, and so there's this tension of, okay, how do I reconcile that with here, the servant, when we're talking about Jesus, like, there's a sense of, yeah, there seems to be this sense of, like, calm and this sense of not shouting, <laughs> right? And, like, does, I mean, does that necessarily mean that we can't be more, you know, energized and more passionate and more, you know, I don't know, like, forceful and stuff? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's a, I'm not, I don't know the answers to these questions. I'm just saying, you, you kind of, what you're drawing out here, there's a little bit of a tension of how do we apply this as disciples and even for me like maybe not quite like where you're coming from i think the tension for me is that like i know god is about justice and i know i should be about justice but at the same time i'm like yeah there's this tension of man i feel like most of the time i can't even like figure out how to like i can't even figure out how to find enough margin in my life to like 
see my family for a birthday once in a couple of months. You know what I mean? Like, just like, like the, 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 I guess I'm trying to figure out, for me personally, like, how do I be about this? But at the same time, I feel like I don't even have margin in my life for like this, these very small things. <laughs> like, how do you find margin to also like really be about justice and, and be, you know, making a difference and, and things like that? And I, I don't have the answer to that. Like, there's a tension there. But I think for me, one, one thing that I really get from this in regards to that is it's a tension. I don't know how to put it all together in a, in, in a nice package. But something about the fact that Jesus does not get discouraged, and he will not falter, right, until he establishes justice. I, there's something there, because I know that for me, when I try to do these things, I do get discouraged, and I do falter. Um, but, and I don't know exactly how to overcome that, but I, do, I feel like there's something about the fact of knowing and having this confidence that Jesus is about this, and he's not going to get discouraged. And he's not going to falter until he has established justice on the earth. But there's something about that I think is supposed to speak to this tension within me of how I participate in this with him without just being completely crushed by the darkness in the world. You know? and, and maybe Vanessa can speak more to that in a couple of minutes. But um, I, have, I don't have it all together either. But there's something about that I feel like is the, is the base and the foundation that un allows us to, to participate with him without being just completely destroyed by it. Um, any, anybody else? Any, anything you guys want to share? I think I should probably wrap this up, but Steve. Yeah. I mean, just very simply putting our trust in, in Jesus that at the end of the day, he has, he has promised that he's, he's about this and he's not going to fall. Okay. Yeah, maybe just kind of going back to that, what we talked about before, about that sort of low and slow picture of, of kind of the kingdom. Yeah. 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 It's not, not instant justice. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing. I, I'm sure we, we could keep going, but I need to, I need to wrap this up. Um, one last thought maybe that I'll, I will share, or one last kind of application that I'm getting out of this is, I think for the original Jewish audience, when they read this passage and when, when they read like the part at the end where it talks about like, you know, the blind will receive sight or, 
you know, the, the prisoner will be released or, you know, things like that. Like, I think they would have read that in a very embodied and uh, physical way, right? Like, where, whereas maybe they wouldn't read it so much as like a spiritual kind of message, like spiritual blindness, right? Uh, spiritual dark, release from spiritual darkness. I don't, I don't know if they would necessarily read it that way so much as like a very embodied way. Whereas for us, maybe kind of in our modern Western kind of evangelical roots, we tend to read it in more of a spiritual way, right? Like we read these things about, yeah, release for the captives or, you know, things like that. We tend to read it in a very spiritual way. Oh, yeah, spiritual blindness, right? Release for spiritual captives. And we don't tend to see it in, in a more embodied way. And with our theme here, love embodied, that, that I think when we're talking about justice, it's both, right? It's it's. It's the spiritual, right? That there's a spiritual blindness that we need healing from and, and, uh, and need release from, but it's also embodied, right? That Jesus has called us to participate with him in, you know, kind of the, the execution of his will, basically, of, of bringing justice to his people and also to the world. So it's just something I, I think we could think about. But uh, thank you guys for um, just sharing your thoughts, and I re really encourage you guys. You know, we still got five weeks left here in the summer of doing this uh, you know, pushing into the spiritual discipline of Bible study. I encourage you guys to do that because I think you guys can see how much comes out of it if we really just spend some time soaking in it. But let me uh, close this in prayer. Lord, uh, thank you so much for just this time and thank you so much for speaking to us through this first uh, servant song and just this, this picture that we have of Jesus, the Messiah, of love embodied. And what is your heart? What is your desire? Lord, your heart is for justice. And so help us to be about that as well. And Lord, to be if we're being totally honest, there's so much tension there because we don't really know how to do it. And a lot of times we do get discouraged. A lot of times we even falter. Um, so show us, like, how do, we, how do we be people that are about this, who participate in this with you, but without being crushed by it as well? And, and people who are depending on you and, and co-workers who are sustained by you. So we, we just submit that to you and we pray in Jesus.